Thanks for tuning in and making Res Life a part of your day. Whether this is your first time listening or this is a part of your weekly rhythm, we are glad you're here. If you'd like to connect more throughout the week, check us out at reslife.org, download our app, or follow us on social media. It's time for today's message, so let's dive in. Wow, thank you. What a blessing. Thank you so much. Well, I'm excited to be back in Michigan. How many of you were here last year when I spoke? Wow, you came back? (laughs) You know, I was telling the first service, I had such a journey trying to get here. I'm from Dallas, but I was in L.A. last week. So I was supposed to go L.A. to Chicago, Chicago to Grand Rapids. And we got to Chicago yesterday, and the flight was delayed. We were going to be in the airport six hours and then get the flight to Grand Rapids. So we decided, let's just get an Uber. And we Ubered from Chicago to Grand Rapids. We went to Indiana. We went all over America. I I was texting my husband going, I'm in Indiana. (laughs) It was so weird. But anyway, got to the, it was like a 12-hour journey to get here. So got to my hotel, but the luggage didn't make it because it was on the connecting So my mom's texting me, honey, are you okay? Do you have your stuff? I said, no. I mean, I've got my notes and I've got my makeup. So I said, my life is not perfect, mom, but my lashes will be. So, (laughs) but it all worked out, didn't it? So anyway, so I'm grateful to be here with y'all. How many of you were not here last year when I spoke? Wow, okay, so I know what you're thinking. Is this a joke this morning? (laughs) Is this for real? You know, I never dreamed in a million years I would be a minister. I just wanted to be a Dallas Cowboys cheerleader. That was it. That was as high as my dreams went. But anyway, God has a sense of humor, and I do believe that pastors bring me in just to sort of give you hope. (laughs) Dear God, if she can apply this and get results, there's hope for everybody, right? So I'm going to share with you a quick message that I'm calling the five keys to live your dreams. And I believe you're not only going to live your dreams, but God's going to accelerate things. I say it like this, things that should take five years, God can do it in one year. And I say that, yes, not based on just something, you know, a message I heard on YouTube or I Googled this. This is something that I've learned from God's word. I study successful people. I merge the two and it's happened in my life. And so I only know how to teach from experience what God has done. So You know, Dave Ramsey says, if you want to be successful, study successful people. You want to be skinny, study skinny people. You want to be rich, study rich people. So I do like to study people. And John Maxwell is one of my mentors. And I was listening to a message by John Maxwell. And he was talking about how he was hosting a conference where he had 2,000 people in attendance who paid $2,000 each. So I'm going to get my pocket calculator and do some math, okay? (laughs) 2,000, carry my two, 2,000. (laughs) That is $4 million in one weekend. So there was this kid there who had just graduated with an MBA, and he's just admiring this about John Maxwell. So he stood up and he said to Maxwell, he said, "Um, I want to do what you do. Maxwell said, what do you think I do? He said, well, you speak at these events, you write best-selling books, you impact lives. He said, I want to do that. Maxwell said, young man, it's not a matter of doing what I do. He said, the question is, do you want to do what I did so you can do what I do? 
he said, well, but I want to lead a team. I want to lead a department. I want to lead a company. Where do I start? Maxwell said, good question. Start with you. Start with you. See, you can't have a million-dollar dream with minimum wage habits. So the reason I'm telling you this is because of how God had to change me. You know, I remember when I was going through the roughest time in my life, um, my husband and I were separated. I was living paycheck to paycheck. I had nothing in the bank. My house was a mess. I was a mess. I had no vision for my life. And I had a five-year-old little girl looking to me for a role model. And I remember Jesse Duplantis said to me, like face-to-face, he said, stop looking at your marriage and all the problems you're having. Stop looking at everybody else. He said, you work on you. You work on you. And then I heard Joyce Meyer say, God will change your circumstances, but he'll change you first. Then I heard Jim Rohn say, if you want the future to change, you've got to change. I was like, why is everybody pointing to me? Like, what is the deal here? But I started making changes in my life. These five keys I'm going to share with you today. And as I began to change, everything around me began to change. Now, let me just give you a little pretext real quick. Um, God's done some amazing things in my life and in our ministry in the past seven years. Um, everything from, we have over 30 million views on YouTube now. We started a TV broadcast. I've written 13 books now. Um, last year, we shipped like our books and resources. We shipped them to 114 nations across the globe. I mean, like amazing things that I'm just like, what? But the reason I'm telling you that is not to say, look at me, isn't this amazing? It's to show you just how much God changed my life. So to give you the backstory, just to kind of summarize this, I was one of the most insecure girls you could ever meet. I grew up in such a strong word of faith home. Some of you know my dad, Jerry Savelle. So I grew up, you know, in or around faith and everything. Um, I was a cheerleader all through school. I was the homecoming queen. I even dated the quarterback, you know. <laughs> but I was hiding so much pain behind a big smile. And nobody knew what I'd been through. At 14 years old, I was raped by a guy that I did not even know. I was at a fitness center, at a gym. Never dreamed in a million years I would lose my virginity on a gym floor by a complete stranger. And have y'all ever heard that statement that you behave in a manner consistent with how you see yourself? If you see yourself as worthless, you'll let people treat you like you're worthless. Well, after I went through that experience, I was already insecure, but something came on me where I literally thought I was the ugliest person in the world. I thought I was fat. I thought I was worthless. And I started letting people treat me like that. I got into an abusive relationship with a guy that I stayed with for over two years. Um, everything from him slamming my head against a steering wheel, locking me in a car, dragging me by my neck. I mean, just horrible things. And I stayed with him because of how I felt. Finally got out of that relationship and I went off to college, Texas Tech University. My last semester of college, right before I graduated, I got pregnant before marriage. And I thought I was the biggest failure. I thought I'm going to be the biggest disgrace of the Savelle family. I'm going to ruin my dad's ministry. And so I was sitting in my apartment in Lubbock, Texas, and I grabbed my journal, and I just started scribbling, I want to die. 
And I told my roommates, I said, I can't bear to tell my parents what I've done. I'm just going to run away. I said, I'm just going to head west. And Teresa said, no, you're not. You don't even know which way is west. She said, said, we're going to get through this, which is true. But so we got through it. I actually got married three weeks after I found out I was pregnant. Kenneth Copeland and my dad performed my wedding. I was so ashamed. I borrowed my sister's dress. I carried myself like this all the way down the aisle. Three weeks after the wedding, I lost the baby. So it just felt like one bad thing after another, like I've ruined my life. Well, years went by, not a few months, years went by, and I was just in this rut. And I went to a Kenneth Copeland convention in California, and all of a sudden, Oral Roberts walked in. Do some of you remember Oral Roberts? Famous preacher. And I'm just standing on the second row. Oral Roberts walks in, and my dad was beside him. And dad said, you remember my daughter, Terry? So he turned around and gave me a big hug. Well, because it was Oral Roberts, all the TV cameras are on him. And it's 10,000 people in an arena. Oral Roberts looks me in the face, and here's the picture. Someone captured this moment. He looked at me, and he said, there's something you're not letting go of. And then he said, lift your hands. So I lifted my hands, and he started hitting my elbows and yelling, let go, let go, let go. And I promise you, I just stood there in front of 10,000 people thinking, of what? I literally had no idea what he was talking about. But months later, seeking God, God began to reveal to me it was the shame of my past. It was the guilt. It was the memories that were tormenting my mind. It was the bad habits that led me to where I was in life. So I began to apply what I'm going to share with you today. And as I began to work on me, as I began to grow, everything around me began to grow. My opportunities, my career, my salary, my relationships, everything grew as I grew. So do you want to learn the five keys real quick? Okay, I'll go fast because I know y'all are probably hungry. Is this the lunch crowd? Or have you already had lunch? Because you slept in. Because I was here early. (laughs) But I'll hurry. Okay. Okay, these all start with the letter C. So it could be the five C's to live your dreams. But the first one, number one, is clarity. And what I mean by this is I had to learn, get clear on what you want. Mark Twain said, he said, I can teach anybody how to get what they want in life. Problem is, I can't find anybody who can tell me what they truly want. And I found out that clarity is one of the single most important keys to success. You've probably heard that statement that vague goals produce vague results. You've got to get clear on what you want. Don't just say, Terry, I already know what I want. This year, I'm going to increase. God's going to increase my finances. Well, here's 20 bucks and there's your increase. No, you got to get crystal clear on what increase means to you. I'm believe- and you have to write the vision. How many of you remember my gigantic Texas-sized pencil, right? This is just a regular pencil for us. But, um, but you've got to, I bring this giant pencil because I want you to never forget that this right here is one of the most important keys to success. Write the vision, make it plain. Now, what's amazing is successful people do this. Jim Carrey, Katy Perry, Lady Gaga, Beyonce, Oprah Winfrey, Steve Harvey, Clint Eastwood, they all do this. They write the vision. But most people don't realize this came from God's word. Habakkuk 2.2 says, write the vision, make it plain. Why? So you can run when you read it, right? 
So I began to learn that successful people write the vision. In fact, years ago, Napoleon Hill interviewed 500 millionaires to find out if they had anything in common that made them so successful. Now, this was people like Thomas Edison, Alexander Graham Bell, John D. Rockefeller, Charles Schwab. And he was finding out, do 500 millionaires have something in common that made them successful? You know what he came back and said? Every one of them have clearly defined written goals. Clearly defined written goals. So I began to learn, well, if successful people can do this and it came from God's word, then I'm going to start doing this. So I started writing my vision. I started writing, like I went online and put pictures of public school buildings. And I said, one day my courses are going to be in public schools teaching young people how to make their dreams bigger than their memories. I put a picture of the Dallas Cowboys cheerleaders. My husband said, you still want to be a Dallas Cowboy cheerleader? I said, no, I want to minister to them. So I put their picture. I put a map of um, France. I put a map of Germany. And I said, my messages are translated in French and German. I put Amsterdam. I said, my books are translated in Dutch. We have some Dutch people, right? Um, I put all kinds of stuff. I put a fake flyer. This is totally fake. And I said, I speak at events with people I respect and admire. And so I cut out somebody's picture and I put my picture. And it's John Maxwell, Les Brown, Lisa Bevere, Christine Kane, and little Terry Savelfoy. Nobody was asking me to preach when I did this kind of stuff. Nobody knew my name. Nobody could care less what I had to say. But God said, write the vision, make it plain. Well, there's a principle in God's word that says you become what you behold. Whatever you keep before your eyes, it will eventually show up in your life. I don't have time to teach all that, but is it a coincidence? Now my courses are in schools across America. Is it a coincidence I minister to the Dallas Cowboys cheerleaders? Is that coincidental? Nobody's answering, but (laughs) I think you agree. Anyway, is it coincidental that I'm speaking at events with John Maxwell and Les Brown and Lisa Bevere? Not one bit. Because when the vision is clear, the results will appear. But you got to get clear. So you got it? Can we do this? If you're believing God to get out of debt, be crystal clear on how much debt you have. Okay. Number two, the second C is confession. And what I mean by that is, you know, God's word says in Romans 4.17, it says to call those things that be not as though they are. One translation says, we serve a God who gives life to the dead, and he speaks of non-existent things as if they exist. So if you want to know where your life is headed, listen to the words that are coming out of your mouth. This is a telltale sign of where your life is going. So when I was getting out of that rut and understanding, okay, I knew the power of words. You can't grow up with Jerry Savelle and not understand the power of words. But I began to learn that it's a two-step process. Number one, stop speaking negatively. Number two, start speaking positively. So let me give you another illustration. If you're saying things like, at this rate, we will never get out of debt, cut it out. You like this? Texas size scissors. Okay, cut it out. If you're saying things like, no matter what I do, I can't lose weight, cut it out because you are trapping yourself into the very thing you don't want. If you want to know where your life is headed, listen to the words coming out of your mouth. So it's a two-step process. 
Stop speaking negatively, start speaking positively. So what I did was I was researching this. I wrote a whole book on the language of success, and I was studying something about the power of words, and this was from a scientist. This is not from a minister. This was a scientist who was trying to discover, is this really true, the power of words, or is this just some religious thing? So what he did was he got three jars of rice, and he put them in containers, and he put a label on each jar of rice. So on one jar, he wrote, thank you. On the second jar, he wrote, you're an idiot. And on the third jar, he just left it unlabeled. So here's what he did, this experiment. For 30 days, he would speak to the jar that said thank you, and he would speak pleasant, affirming words. To the you're an idiot jar, he would yell harsh, demeaning words. And then to the jar that wasn't labeled, he just ignored it altogether. After 30 days of consistent treatment, the thank you rice began to ferment, look appealing, and give off this strong, pleasant aroma. The you're an idiot rice began to turn black and mushy and give off a sour milk aroma. And the neglected rice just began to rot and mold altogether. So he concluded that rice is affected, that everything is affected by the power of your words. Well, since then, homeschoolers, college students, other scientists did the experiment and got kind of the same results or exact results. Here's my point in telling you about the experiment. If rice can be affected by positive and negative words, as well as completely neglecting it, how much more can your circumstances be affected by what's coming out of your mouth? Think about that. So I thought, if this is true, then I'm going to start doing it. So I started giving myself a daily pep talk. In 2007, I made a list of positive declarations. I'm confident. I'm courageous. I'm qualified by God. I'm fit, firm, and muscular. I'm in the best shape of my life. I have a fast metabolism. I eat whatever I want to eat, and I maintain my perfect weight. Do you like that? Because when my body started changing, you know, when I turned 40 and now menopause and all that stuff, people started telling me, Terry, your body's going to be all messed up. You can't eat all those cupcakes you used to eat. And I was like, I bind you in the name of Jesus. (laughs) Don't mess with my cupcakes, right? But I started making these declarations. And you know what happened? My life began to move in the direction of my words. I started declaring I'm confident and courageous. I remember one of my declarations, I've got them all here. I said, I'm an expert in the message God has given me to share. And then I would say, my gift is making room for me and bringing me before great men. And I remember the first time I was invited to do an interview, a TV interview, before they went live, they said, Terry, this is where you sit. This is the expert chair. And I remember going, the expert? (laughs) What am I an expert in? And then I thought, I've been declaring I'm an expert in the message God has given me to share. It's happening. If you want to know where your life is headed, listen to the words coming out of your mouth. So the reason I'm telling you confession is because you can't just write your dreams. You have to speak to them. Just the way God created the whole world, you got to create your world with the words of your mouth. You got it? Okay. The third C is continual growth continual growth. If you want to know how my life has changed so much, continual growth has been a massive key. Now, let me explain it like this. Do some of you remember the great motivator named Jim Rohn? 
Some of you probably studied him if you're in business or you're an entrepreneur. Okay, Jim Rohn was one of the greatest motivators that ever lived, and he's since gone on to be with the Lord. He was a Christian. But when he was first learning about success, he was struggling. He said he had pennies in his pocket. He had nothing in the bank, but he had a list of excuses. And he was blaming everyone for where he was in life. He blamed the government. He blamed the economy, the taxes, his boss. He blamed everybody. Well, one day, this very wealthy man began to mentor him and just kind of take him under his wing. He was very honest with him, but he did it in love. And he said, Jim, I got to be honest with you. He said, what you have at this moment in your life, you have attracted by the person you've become. He said, if you don't have much, perhaps you haven't become much. Jim was so offended, we can understand why. And he said he held up his paycheck to that wealthy man, and he said, you don't understand. He said, this is all they pay. His mentor said, no, this is all they pay you. He said, they pay others more. He said, in fact, in your company, they pay others five times that amount. He said, but if you were to qualify for five times that amount, wouldn't your paycheck be five times? Jim said, yeah, I guess so, but how do I change? He said, Jim, don't wish it was easier. Wish you were better. He said, don't wish for less problems, wish for more skills. And then he taught him this powerful lesson. And if you really hang on to these words, I'm telling you, it can change your life the way it changed mine. He said, learn to work harder on yourself than you do on your job. He said, if you work hard on your job, you'll make a living. If you work hard on yourself, you can make a fortune. I'm going to repeat it. He said, learn to work hard on yourself. He said, if you work hard on your job, you'll make a living. If you work hard on yourself, you can make a fortune. Well, see, I believe that's exactly what happened in my life. When I began to hear stories like this, I began to think, oh my gosh, work hard on myself. And then Jesse told me, you work on you. And then Joyce Meyer says, God will change your circumstances, but he'll change you first. And I remember one of the dumbest things I ever said It was at my college graduation. I had my cap and gown. My whole family went to El Chico's to celebrate. We're having Mexican food, Tex-Mex. And I made this big announcement to the family that was the dumbest thing I think I've ever said. You want to know what it was? I said, I will never study again. I thought, I have paid my dues. I will never pick up another book. Now, here's the sad thing. Not only was that the dumbest thing I've ever said, that was the dumbest promise I ever kept For 11 years of my life, I would never invest in something that could change my life. I didn't read books unless it was about the Dallas Cowboy cheerleaders and gymnastics. (laughs) I did not watch motivational messages. I didn't, I mean, I went to church every Sunday, but that was it. You know what my routine was? I would get up at the last minute to go to work. I would jump in my car, turn on the music, and just listen, dance, and sing all the way to the office, work all day. I worked hard on my job. I was a ghostwriter. Um, I would, when five o'clock hit, I'd jump in the car, turn on the radio, sing and dance all the way home, get home, turn on the TV, and watch it for hours. And I'd do it again the next day, and do it again the next day. And I was more interested in watching other people live their dream than me go after mine. For 11 years, that was my life. I lived paycheck to paycheck. I had nothing in my savings account. Didn't even know what investments were. I paid my car note every month. I paid my credit cards every month. And like I told you before, my house was a mess. I was a mess. 
my husband and I separated, and I had a five-year-old looking for this role model. And that's when I got desperate for change. I thought, okay, I'm going to start investing in myself because everybody says that. So I went online to Joyce Meyer's website, and I bought $60 worth of resources, books and audios. And I put my credit card in, and I thought, I cannot believe I am spending 60 bucks on faith-building resources. <laughs> and then I thought, wait a minute. I would easily spend that on clothing. This is my future we're talking about. And my clothes, they will be outdated in a few years, but this won't. It's going to change my life. I knew that. So when the first set of audios came, I went in my bathroom, and I got a little Post-it note that said, push play, because I was so undisciplined. So I, this was back in 2002. I got a CD player. I put it on the bathroom, got some my faith-building CDs, walked in there the first morning to brush my teeth, and I saw, oh, yeah, push play. So I pushed play, and I started hearing God's word, hearing God's word, hearing God's word. See, there's a difference when you're hearing God's word than if you just have, like, the prices right on in the background. God's word gets down on the inside of you, and it changes you from the inside out. I began to change my thinking. I began to hear that successful people write their dreams and goals. Successful people never stop learning. When they finish a book, they go to the next book. Successful people go to conferences. They go to church. They go to events. They use their drive time to listen to something. So I began to do what successful people did. And you know what happened the next 11 years of my life? I went from ghostwriting books for other people to authoring books I went from attending conferences to speaking at conferences. I went from watching TV for hours to hosting a TV show. What happened? (laughs) As I began to grow, everything around me began to grow. I found out that, yes, leaders are readers, but the more you learn, the more you earn. You know, some people say it like this. It's called the key to success, which I just happen to have. And it stands for K-E-Y, which is keep educating yourself. Never stop learning. Got it? Okay. The fourth C I want to share with you is constant gratitude. Constant gratitude. You know, I began to learn from Joyce Meyer how, um, well, I learned, you know, just, y'all probably heard that phrase that a grateful heart is a magnet for miracles. Well, at the worst time in my life, when my husband and I were separated, and before I forget to tell you all this, God restored my marriage. We've been married 30 years now. Is that awesome? I know. I always forget to tell the good part, but, um, but when we were separated, and I told you I'm going through all this, I have no vision for my life, but I'm starting this habit of push play. I remember hearing Joyce Meyer make this statement. She said, stop magnifying everything you've lost and start being grateful for what you have left. And she said, if you'll magnify what you have left, it'll open the door for God to move in your life. So I have vivid memories of going down in my kitchen, sometimes 11 o'clock at night. I was so miserable, so depressed, so lonely, so confused, but I was going, okay, Joyce said to magnify what I have left, to be grateful. And I would go downstairs in my kitchen, and I would just start thinking, okay, thank you, Lord, that I have a job. I still have a job, and I'm grateful for that. And I think, okay, what else do I have? I have a house. Thank you, Jesus, I still have a house. Thank you, Lord, I'm healthy. 
Thank you for my little girl sleeping in her bed. I prayed for that baby. I thought I couldn't get pregnant, and you gave me the desires of my heart. Thank you for that little girl. And the more I began to focus on what I had to be grateful for, the anxiety would lift and peace would come. And then I began to learn that this is also something successful people practice. I remember hearing from Joe Vitale. He said that when he was struggling, living in a cheap apartment, sleeping on a mattress on the floor, he said he had a plastic table and chairs. He had no money to even go buy a book. He said he went to the library and he borrowed a book about success. And the first thing it said was, if you want to be successful, be grateful. And it even said this, go on a 30-day challenge to no complaining. Don't complain about the weather. Don't complain about your, how hungry you are. Don't complain about your to-do list. Don't complain that you're tired. Don't complain that anything hurts. No complaining for 30 days. And focus on what you have to be grateful for. So he said he looked around his apartment. He was like, what do I have to be grateful for? He had like a pencil sitting on the table. Then he kept reading. And it said, the more gratitude you express, the more abundance you'll experience. So he said, well... I'm grateful that I have a pencil. He said, with this pencil, I can start writing my dreams and goals. And I know successful people put their goals in writing. He said, with this pencil and this eraser, I can start erasing my limiting beliefs. He said that moment of focusing on gratitude shifted his entire life. He's now a best-selling author, a success coach to hundreds of thousands. But can I just tell you, Joe Vitale didn't come up with this. Oprah Winfrey didn't. Steve Harvey didn't. All the successful people we know who do this, it came from God's word. Psalms 100 verse 4 says, enter his gates with thanksgiving and his courts with praise. He said, be thankful and say so. He didn't say think so. He said, say so. Write it down. Show God what you're grateful for. You know, I keep a gratitude journal just because it gets me into that routine of constantly focusing on all the good. And when I started doing this, I'm telling you, I don't have time to share some of this. God started opening doors I never dreamed possible. Do you remember the story of Paul and Silas, how they were thrown into that prison, beat to a pulp, blood pouring from their bodies? And the Bible says in the midnight hour, which signifies the toughest hour, the darkest hour, they started lifting their voices and worshiping and praising God. And the Bible says the other prisoners even heard them. They're worshiping, expressing gratitude while they're locked in prison with blood dripping from their body. But you know what happened? It got the ear of God. He sent an earthquake from heaven. The walls began to shake. The earth began to crumble. The chains fell off their feet and the prison doors opened up. Do you see what I'm saying? When you express gratitude, God will open doors that no man can shut. You like like that? I believe it. So that's the fourth C. And then the fifth and final C that I want to say that will absolutely change your life is consistent giving. Consistent giving. I like to explain it like this. My parents taught me this powerful principle ever since I was a little girl. They said, if you're down to your last $1, don't dare spend it, sow it. Get it in the ground so God can multiply it. And I watched my parents practice this their whole entire lives in front of me. My parents literally gave themselves out of poverty. You know, I was sharing with the first service how 
I remember when, or this is a story my parents tell that I was too young, but when my dad first moved to Fort Worth to work for Kenneth Copeland, this is back in the early 70s, my mom and dad were so broke, they were living in a house that was literally just about to be condemned. They're driving a car with close to 200,000 miles on it. My mom was wearing cut-down maternity dresses from having me and my sister two and three years before. And they're just learning everything I'm sharing with you today. They're, they're building their faith. They're learning how to have a vision for their lives. They're watching the words of their mouth. They're learning all these principles. Well, my dad was going on a trip with Kenneth Copeland for three weeks, because back then they didn't fly, they drove everywhere. So dad was standing in the front yard with tears pouring down his face. He pulled $3 out of his pocket, and that's all he had to give my mom to take care of her and me and my sister for three weeks. And he said to her, he said, I feel like a failure as a husband, as a father. He said, but either we trust God or we don't. Somehow, some way, God is going to provide for my family. My mom said, don't you worry about us. God will provide. So my mom took the $3, and that was on a Sunday. Sunday night, she went to church. And she said, when the offering plate went by, instantly, God began to speak to her, gave her this powerful revelation that changed their lives. She pulled the $3 out of her wallet, and she thought, this $3 does not meet my need, so I'm going to turn it into seed. She put the whole $3 in the offering that day. Y'all, when she got home that very night, she was taking her coat off, and when she reached in her pocket, someone had put a $50 bill in her coat pocket. She had no idea, and that was more than enough to take care of us for three weeks. Well, that one moment marked my family for the rest of our lives. Anytime we think of a need, we think sow a seed. Every dream that I have ever seen come to pass in my life, I've sown a seed for it. Every dream. When I couldn't get pregnant and we didn't know what was wrong with my body, I sowed seed into every pregnant woman I could find. I hosted baby showers. <laughs> I bought diapers. Why? Because they had what I was believing for. When I was believing to get my books published, I sowed seed into Joyce Meyer because she already had books that changed my life. I said, I want that anointing on my books. Sow where you want to go, right? So there's a scripture, Galatians 6, 8. It says, a man's harvest in life depends entirely upon the seeds that he sows. Do you read that? A man's harvest in life depends entirely upon the seeds that he sows. I think I'm reading from the Phillips translation. But think about that. It's not partially. It's not sometimes. It's entirely. So I want to challenge you, if you have a need, sow a seed. So let me close out with this. Oh, and I want to say this real quick because I thought this was really powerful. Because during the pandemic, we sowed our most significant seeds because we were like, we, it looked like it was going to be the worst year of our lives. But we sowed our significant seeds. And the Lord spoke to me and he said, the moment the seed left your hand, I released what's in mine. Isn't that powerful? Hang on to that. So, and it turned out to be a record-breaking year. We gave more than we ever have, and it was the year we've grown more than ever before. Is that coincidental? Not one bit. So let me close out with this. I think this is a cute little story. If you think I should tell this little story? It was kind of cute, right? Okay, so there was, um, there was this father who promised his little girl that he would spend the day playing with her on a Saturday morning. So he went downstairs, he's sitting at the kitchen table, and he's reading the paper Saturday morning. His daughter comes flying down the stairs, ready to play. 
And he said, honey, hold on. Just, just let me finish reading the paper. But she was so antsy. She's pulling on his shoulder. Daddy, daddy, you said we play. So he said, oh, my goodness. Okay, here's what I'll do. There was a picture of the world in the newspaper. So he said, I'm going to rip this out, tear it into little pieces, and make it like a puzzle. And he said, you put this picture of the world together, and when you're done, we'll go play. So he goes back to reading. And I mean like that, she's finished putting the puzzle together. He said, how in the world did you put this puzzle together so fast? She said, well, I dropped a piece. And she said, when I bent down to pick it up, I looked under the glass on the other side, and there was a picture of a woman. So she said, I just turned all the little pieces over. And she said, when I put the woman together, the world just fell into place. I think it's cute. (laughs) Some of y'all are like, that's cheesy. But my point is, when you put yourself together, your life starts to come together. When you get clear on what you want, don't be vague about it. Get clear on it. I like to say it like this. Imagine it's December 31st of this year. Project forward. And you say to your friends, this has been the most amazing year of my life. What's going to need to happen for you to say that? Write it down. Got it? Confess it out of your mouth. Don't leave it in your head. Confess it. Number three, continually grow yourself. Invest in conferences and books and audios. Number four, constantly be grateful. Magnify what you do have. And number five, consistently look for opportunities to be a blessing, to give, to sow, to get your seed in the ground. You got it? And as you grow, I'm telling you, everything around you is going to grow. And I believe Amos 9.13, things will happen so fast your head will swim. Sound good? Did y'all enjoy that? Yay! (laughs) Is it time to go eat lunch? Okay, hold on. We got one more important thing. And let me close out by telling you this. You know, when I was kind of coming through all this hard time in my life, I was out walking one day. And as I was walking, I just heard the Lord say this. He said, lift your head. I thought, did I really hear that? You know, because it wasn't audible. I heard lift your head. So I grabbed my phone. I got my notes out and I wrote lift your head so I wouldn't forget. So I got back to the house and I kept thinking, why would the Lord tell me lift your head? And then I started thinking about how back when I was in college, I studied body language And how the signs of insecurity, inferiority, guilt, shame is a lowered head. But the number one sign of defeat is a lowered head. And you know, God is so amazing. He put everything in the Bible. He even put body language in the Bible. There's a scripture, Psalm 3.3. It says, Thou, O Lord, are a shield for me. You're the glory and the lifter of my head. And God began to teach me that you should never go a day of your life with your head held down in shame. When Jesus hung on that cross with his head down, just so yours could be lifted up. So God was telling me, it is time to pull your shoulders back, lift your head and start living your dreams. So I believe I'm speaking to some of you today and I would love for all of you to stand up right now. And if you feel like this message is stirring you up today, that it's time to get free from the past, let go of the memories of the past, the shame, the guilt. It's time to lift your head. It's time to start moving because we don't have time to waste, do we? The world's gone crazy. We gotta get some work done, don't we? (laughs) 
And I believe God brought me here to stir up some of that in you and to challenge you to get free from the past so you can do what God's called you to do. So would you close your eyes for just a minute? If you feel like God's speaking to you today, that it's time to make a new commitment to Him, it's time to get free from the past, it's time to pull your shoulders back and lift your head and get serious about your dreams, I want you to raise your hand. I see hands going up all over the place. If you feel like God's speaking to you that now's the time to truly make Jesus the Lord of your life, to not just be a side issue, but Lord, I cannot do this without you. And to truly make him your Lord, I want you to lift your hand. I see all those hands. And if you're watching online, this applies to you also. In fact, we want you to text RESYES in just a minute because I believe we're speaking to a lot of people watching online too. This is a divine appointment. So here's what I'd love to do. Why don't we all open our eyes and lift our hands towards heaven because this is the universal sign of surrender. When the police arrest somebody, this is what, I was about to say this is what we do, but I haven't been arrested, so. But uh, some of you have experience, I see. Um, But anyway, this is the sign of surrender, and I believe we are surrendering our past and we're surrendering our future right now. So why don't we all just repeat after me? Father, in the name of Jesus, I come to you today. I repent of my sins. I ask you to forgive me. I declare Jesus is the Son of God. He died on the cross for me. I ask you into my heart. I make you my Lord and Savior. And I believe today, March 20th, is a new beginning. And I declare, I make my dreams bigger than my memories. In Jesus' name, amen. You did it. Thanks for listening. We hope you've been encouraged by this message. For more information, if you're in need of prayer or just want to connect with the community, go to reslife.org, follow us on social media, or email us anytime at reslife at reslife.org. We hope you have a blessed day and we will see you again soon.